Segunda Show. Okay, this is Moe Allison, and you're listening to Radio 8-Ball with Andros Jones. Welcome to Radio 8-Ball. Give us a shave. Tempting fate, wherever you are. Questions put to song randomly with the help of a friend. Synchronicity, and now it's time for the radio eightball show. Welcome back to Radio 8 Ball, the show where we answer questions by picking songs at random and interpreting those randomly chosen songs as the answers to the questions, like picking musical tarot cards. I am your host, Andras Jones, here in the Starburn Studios with Great Willow. Hi, Andras. Hi, Andras. That's James and Aaron, as you heard them, and they have been providing the oracle fodder for our musical divinations. For a few for a few musical divinations so far, and they've been inviting different people from their lives, people who have questions to ask, stories to tell, and now we're joined by another one of them. He is a KCRW DJ and a music director, and, uh, and a friend of of James and uh, and of Great Willow. Welcome to Radio Eight Ball, Gary Calamar. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here on Radio Eight Ball. So, how do you know Great Willow? Uh, James Combs and I go back. Uh, we worked together at AOL Music in uh, the Bay in San Francisco uh, some years back, and uh, we met through a mutual friend in another band, and uh, we hit it off as friends immediately and, and fellow music lovers. We had similar taste in, in, in fine music. And uh, we kept in touch through the years, and um, you know we've worked together in various capacities throughout the years. And when James moved down to Los Angeles, you know we rekindled our friendship, and and now we work together doing music supervision and licensing and and things like that. Can you corroborate this, James? It's all true. It's all true. It's all true. <laughs> You're not denying any of it. Okay, so it's all true. And man we, speaks the truth. So. I happen to know this, but maybe people in the audience who are not in the biz don't know. What is music supervision? Like, do you help, do you supervise musicians? Is that what you do? Um, basically, I work with, you know, producers and uh, showrunners of a TV show or a movie and just kind of help uh, tell the story through music, through finding, you know, existing songs that work in different scenes and that help illustrate different characters. Um, so that, you know, I do that sort of uh, on the creative side of things, trying to find the perfect song that works in a scene. And then after we find the song, to negotiate a, a deal and to license, you know, the, the, the master recording and the publishing so we can legally use the song. So do you have, like, one, I mean, you must have many, but do you have one in particular moment of, like, oh, I got the right song for that one. Like maybe something that we've known, like in a TV show or a movie, and you and you know, 
Wow, no one else would have thought to put that song there, and now it's perfect. Um, well, I'm not sure if I can say no one else would have thought of it, but um, my my claim to fame is, um, and one that stands out, you know, to me uh, more than anything else is. Uh, finding the song Breathe Me by, by Sia that was used in the final scene in the final episode of Six Feet Under. And uh, it was a very powerful scene and the music, you know, this was a record I knew of Sia's song through uh, playing her on KCRW. Um, she had done some work with the band Zero Seven, so I was familiar with her work a little bit. And the song Breathe Me was, was a favorite of mine that I would play on the radio from time to time. And when uh, Alan Ball came to me and said, we need a song for this, you know, huge finale, um, this was one of, one of the songs that I pitched to him, and, uh, and he, he loved it. And uh, it worked out perfectly. Uh, I, I think, you know, the stars were kind of aligned. It was a perfect scene, and the song worked great. It was an amazing, you know, ending to a great series, and... Um, that's the one that sticks out to me as uh, as as my as my uh, my pinnacle of, of music supervision. Did you did you do the music for that whole show? Yeah, me. I had a partner. His name is Thomas Golubich, but the two of us did the whole five seasons. Yeah. Well, there's an interesting synchronicity about this because our previous questioner, our pre previous guest on the show, was Willie Wisely, and I don't know. Uh -huh. You may be aware of this. You probably are. I I know Willie. I don't Did know, you know connected. Oh well, he I was said. in the first. He was in the pilot as an actor. He was in the pilot for huh. Six Feet Under. He's the guy who gave it the. You know the the daughter, the redheaded daughter who's in art school. Right be right before her father dies, she smokes some crack. Right. Uh huh. Willie was the guy who gave her that crack. Unbelievable. I did not know that. I'm going to have to break out the DVD and check that out. That's, that's yeah, amazing. <laughs> and, uh, and then also, I, I have to say, I had one of my favorite, like, you probably know this experience. When you're a fan of, a, of an artist who you know is just pure indie, nobody is going to know who they are. And then you're watching a show and their stuff shows up and you're like, whoa, what the hell is the, or the bad examples doing in Six Feet Under? <laughs> <laughs> that ah, you know, not, you know, you're six feet under. That not dead yet cue. When I heard, I was, you know, I, I loved that show. I loved that show. It was a great mm -hmm. show, mm -hmm. and the music in it was fantastic. Everything about that show was fantastic. I feel like a lot of times the Sopranos gets a, all the credit for making the long form series a thing, and I feel like Six Feet Under is just as responsible for that. Well, uh, I have to agree. I have to agree with you. And I'll just say, uh, Alan Ball actually found that uh, Bad Example song, uh, Not Dead Yet. And um, we had tried it in a couple of scenes prior to the one we eventually used it in, and it didn't quite work, but we kept bringing it back, and we finally found a great spot for it. But uh, credit goes to Alan Ball for that choice. I wonder, now I'm just so curious if he knows the Bad Examples, or if that's a situation of him telling his assistant, Give me every song that says dead in the title. I want every yeah. song that says dead in the title. That's a very good question. I know Alan does listen to a lot of music. He actually found the theme song for True Blood. Um, Hold you know, on, the bad, bad thing. That's a great one. Love that song. Yes. Um, but he actually said as he was starting to write True Blood, he, you know, would write for an hour and then he'll take like an iTunes break and that song, Bad Things by Jace Everett was like a free download of the week. They used to do that, you know, a free like special download and 
when I first got the job, that was sort of the placeholder. You know, Bad Things was the placeholder for the theme song, and my job was to find the song. That one was just the placeholder, we were, we thought. Um, and the more we lived with it, and the more, you know, everybody heard it, it just was perfect. And actually, to me, came became sort of like a template for, for the rest of the show. You know, it just kind of had that right combination of sexiness and humor and, and menace and... Um, and the so, South, yeah, really I, Southern, feel real Southern. Exactly, and there's the regionality as well. Yeah, so it ended up working out perfectly. But initially, that was that song was going to go away. But uh, the song won. The song won the fight. Ah, to be a placeholder song. That's where you want to yeah. be. That's where. That's, yes, yes. That's exactly. why. That's why more songwriters should be friends with editors. That's very true. <laughs> that is very very. Yeah, we'll just throw his song on there. Let's see, you know, until we find something better. And then what happens is the phenomenon known as temp love. So the song that's yep. been in there, you know, every time they've watched it, you know, a hundred times, now they can't envision the scene without that song. Mm. Love when that happens. Yes. Uh, yes. So uh, okay, well, uh, so that's a that's a, a good little you know background into you and what you do. No, but you're also a musician yourself. Uh, I am a bit of a musician. I'm a songwriter. I'm not a great musician. I'm a, I'm a rock and roll musician, you know, four chords and the truth. Um, but uh, I'm sort of a, uh, a, weekend, uh, a weekend songwriter. I, I'm not uh, extremely prolific, but every song I write is a hit. So it's like, you know, I'm good for like one or two hits per, per year. And I got, no, so for people... He said, sar he said sarcastically. <laughs> Well, you never, you know, there's a, the the judgment, you know, what makes it a hit? You know, you know, everything's so fractional, fractioned in the, or fractionalized in the, or factionalized in the music business. You know, if you get a quorum of five people who agree and have all have blogs, you're a hit. But uh, no, I'm I'm sort of curious for for people who straddle the different sides of the business of like your both a music supervisor and a, sort of a gatekeeper for uh, for songwriters to a certain degree you're a DJ I mean I'm in the same boat yep. you know I'm a, mm -hmm. I host and I'm a promoter of, of people but I also do my own thing and balancing that do you ever do you ever have have a, a thing in front of you and think hmm my song could be really great for this spot do you ever are you ever tempted to pitch your one of your own songs for sure a film? sure I'm, temp I'm tempted all the time um you know, if it's appropriate, I would absolutely pitch it. Um, you know, I'm not going to pitch it if it's if it if I don't feel it's right. But if there's a scene where I think one of my songs would work, I would definitely you know put it in there. Um, and then probably, I mean, I, I haven't really pitched it my songs for my shows. I don't think ever, but uh, but I certainly would if the right opportunity came up. And maybe I would pitch it and not even give them my name, so I would kind of you know take take that. Uh, mystery part out of it and, and hopefully they would like it. You know, and they come back to you and they're like, dude, who is, who who is, is that? <laughs> well, it's funny. You who know, is it's that? Like I, people, <laughs> Which one is it? Are they like, oh, this is great or ooh, ooh, who's that? <laughs> I think, you know, the people, you know, because mostly, you know, the music to me is kind of like a, a sideline. The music supervision and the radio work is kind of like my, my quote unquote day jobs. Um, and I think the people know me, when people know me more as like a, a business, a music business person, it's hard for them to see me as a, you know, singer, songwriter, rocker, or whatever you want to call me. So, um, 
So that's been a little bit of a, a barrier, I think, in getting my music out there, is that people just don't see me in that, in that role. Well, I think we had Paul Zolo in here earlier, and we're going to get to your question in a second, but we had Paul Zolo in here earlier, and he was talking about the way that he interviews songwriters is he learns their songs. He's saying, how can, like, how can you mm -hmm. write about songwriting if you don't do it? If you don't, even, if you, like, even if you don't write it, learn how to play the song, how can you talk to a songwriter about their work and if you're not willing to get inside the song? And I feel like it's probably a similar thing. Like if you're drawn, if you're so drawn to listening to music and to like make it your life, to find to finding great songs and putting them in the right spot in a film, how can you not then also want to create them? It's a natural thing if you're a fan. The great thing about popular rock music or the, is that it is four chords in the truth. And it, it's I don't want to say that anyone can do it, but the fact is that, yeah, anyone can do it. Not anyone can do it as great as Great Willow, of course. You know, of James course. Combs. Well, and, hence the name. Right. But uh, but anyone can string but I, some I chords together. I agree, with, saying, yeah. I agree with what you're saying. It's like, I mean, I've always, since I was a, ki a kid, just sort of made up songs, you know, in my head. You know, maybe not a full song, but just sort of make up little bits of songs that I would just sing to myself that I thought were kind of cool. And then at a certain point, I just said, well, I should just start finishing some of these songs and, you know, see what happens. And, you know, I played it for a person or two and people gave me some positive reaction. And, you know, all of a sudden I, per I made the personal jump of being, uh, you know, considering myself a, a, a songwriter. But, um, you know, it kind of was just sort of something in my head where I just said, okay, I'm just going to do this and I'll do it at my own pace and, you know, see what happens. Maybe I'll get lucky somewhere along the line. But to me... As I sort of joked about before, I mean, to me, they are all hits. You know, I love all my songs, as I'm sure all songwriters love their yeah. songs. So just the, the personal enjoyment and satisfaction from that is, you know, extremely rewarding and, and is pretty much enough. If anything else happens, then that would be gravy. Yeah. Well, that's great. I love, I love getting a little bit of like a peek under the hood of different people's processes and how people navigate wearing multiple hats in this business. But... This show is a musical divination show. You've been invited to ask your question to the Pop Oracle. So, <laughs> Gary Calamar, what is your question for the Pop Oracle? My question is a, a, a simple one. I think it's a simple one. Is what is the secret to getting a good night's sleep and waking up on the right side of the bed? Oh, my God. Actually, that's a great... No one's... Honestly, no one has ever asked that question on Radio 8 Ball. And it, as soon as you said it, it's like one. It's like a great song. Like, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, my God. That is one of that is one of the most important questions. How do you get a good night's sleep and wake up well-rested? Wow. Yes. It's that's, something I've been, I've been challenged by for, for a long time. I'm sure a lot of people have. I'm the, I'm the seeker trying to find the answer to that. <laughs> I was about to just start singing Who lyrics at you, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, so now to engage the Pop Oracle on your behalf, Aaron is going to pick a card, any card. Pick a card, any card. Pick a card, any card. What is it? Seven. Song number seven, which is... Find yourself in L.A. Mm.
That was Find Yourself in Los Angeles, the answer to Gary Calamar's question, how to get a good night's sleep and wake up well-rested. And before we get into interpreting that as the answer to the question, Great Willow, give us a little bit of insight into the background of that song. Um, That song is about kind of like the very beginning of living in Los Angeles. It's like a... You know, our record is 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 about um, a sort of a, like a snapshot of you know a period of time when I was living in Petaluma, and um, you know my my job suddenly ended, and my girlfriend at the time 
broke up with me and I was just like, what am I going to do now? You know, like I like sort of like I lost my home and I lost my whole support system sort of all in like a week. You know, it's like things were sort of cruising along and then they just boom, the whole thing um, fell apart. And then, uh, you know, it was sort of like one door slammed shut and then like another door flung open, you know, which is uh, that I just thought my, you know, I was walking with my sister think, saying, you know, what am I going to do? You know, what, what am I going to do now? And she was like, why don't you move to L.A. and like, you know, and play music and get a music job? And I was like, OK, I'm going to do that. Uh, and then uh, I just I, I managed to do it. Actually, Gary uh, had a it's funny that I chose that because he had a huge hand in helping me. Uh, we didn't know each other at the time uh, very well, um, but he really helped me kind of like get my job and find a place to live and you know he and his wife really generously let me stay with them for you know maybe 10 days or something kind of as I was sort of getting started so um so I kind of came down here and kind of you know just jumped jumped into Los Angeles and I got a place to live and it was sort of about that like well what but I didn't know LA very well I'd only been here maybe twice before I moved here and so it's kind of like what is this what is this city you know what you know you're kind of I, I, I've never heard of Mount Washington before, you know. What well, you know, it's and it's this kind of you know, it's sort of enticing and frightening at the same time. And so it's sort of about the experience of moving here and kind of what it looks like and feels like it at the you know when you're trying to figure out whether it's you're going to make it here or not, like you're going to make a life for yourself. What year did you move here? Um, it was t- around 2000, I think 2001. 2000, 2001. You moved to Mount Washington. Yeah, I got yes, I I got a kind of really nice little place to live there. Um, so Gary, what did you think about that? Is the answer to your question? <laughs> um, you know, I have to sort of think about that. I I didn't get a specific answer to my question. Um, well, let me jump I, in here. I, 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 I did I, love the song. It was it was actually a very you know. Hearing Aaron and James's voice is a very soothing and relaxing <laughs> thing. Whether it's going to, uh, you know, help me get a good night's sleep or not, I I, I can't say right now. But um, that would be a good start. I also love songs about Los Angeles, so um, you know, I did love the song. I'm not quite sure. Well, I'll tell you, uh, you know, because I have a, a, I've actually talked about this on the show before. That you know, I live in Olympia, Washington, and then I come down here to record the shows in oh, LA really? and then I go back to Olympia and the first couple nights I'm here I have a really hard time sleeping and I feel like I do feel like there's a there's a sense of like are you familiar with Under Milkwood the Dylan Thomas the Dylan Thomas radio play yeah yeah it's all about this the reading the like he's sort of dictating the dreams of the people of Milkwood and I feel like I kind of have that feeling like it's a cacophony of dreams when I'm sleeping here, like people dream so loud in Los Angeles or there's just so many people who are just like who are like if you feel like the energy, there's an energy when people are awake, all that energy is still moving and churning when people are asleep. And if you're not here, like after a few days, I start to be able to acclimate to it. So I, there's something, and this is about coming to Los Angeles for the first time, and for me, coming to Los Angeles for the first time, or for the first time in a while, there is that sense of <clears throat> not being able to quite sync up with that cacophony and be able to actually sleep in it. So I thought that was a fun and interesting synchronicity 
for me there. Yeah. And I also just thought that even like it was, it was, oh, you do such spooky, wonderful things with your harmonies. <laughs> like I, as I was listening to that, I couldn't quite tell if it was, if if it was a good thing if coming to Los Angeles was a, like, as you tell the story, James, it sounds like it's a fantastic thing. You came here with no, with nothing and maybe one number to call and you've made a life here. And so it seems very positive, but the song has this sort of, there's something spooky and dark in that, in that heart. It's almost, it all reminds me of, uh, um, California dreaming. Reminds me of the harmonies in California dreaming. And that song has that same feeling of like, I think it's a good place to be, but <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I mean, it is. Yeah, from I, can the, hear, it is... I can hear what you're saying that about their, their harmonies. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's it's good. Uh, I mean, I could hear the spookiness that you're talking about, but uh, I think it's a, a good spookiness. Oh yeah, oh, it's clearly a pleasant. But in terms of trying to figure out, like, is like what I'm trying to figure out is, you live in Los Angeles. You say you're having a hard time sleeping, and I'm and there's yeah. a part of me is like, well, maybe it's not you, maybe it's Los Angeles that there that 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 churning energy. I, I, I would I would agree with you and i think that that's i think that that's kind of a lot about what it's about it's like it's sort of you know you're always sort of like angling to find your place and to kind of keep you know even if you've got something going you're always kind of angling to keep it going you know and there's a lot of like just kind of uh you know, sort of like, you know, it's like the place of, you know, where people have big dreams. But, you know, when you come here, you find yourself in a like a tiny apartment. You know, it's like it's that like, you know, you're looking up at the dirty cactus or the birdie <laughs> palm trees and the cactus and the tiny mailbox, you know, like in your like little apartment. And, you know, and then there's like, you know, Beverly Hills and the mansions over there and people kind of having all kinds of experiences in, in between those experiences here. And everybody kind of comes here with their big, you know, their big dreams and their big thoughts. And it's really like, you know, it's an exciting, enticing thing about living here. But it also... You know, there's this current of anxiety running underneath all of it, you know, like the am I going to be able to keep it going? And, you know, so many people sort of like have like an sort of, an, you know, the people that, you know, have some sort of like ability to like or have some get, get some kind of big break and their thing happens, you know, maybe it lasts like a couple of years and then they're kind of like back, you know, among the humans again, you know, it's so it's among sort of, the desperate class. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, there's like I do think that there's like a, there is this sort of current, you know, of of desperation. I mean, I think it's sort of in the world in general, but I think that maybe it's amplified here a little bit. Um, I I actually think? yeah I I agree with all that. I think that there's like I've seen this happen to so many people that I've known in my little duration here is that. L.A. is a bit like a big tornado, and it just whips you up. And if you don't know how to, like, sit down in the middle of the storm and have that self-soothing voice that is like, you're going to be just fine here in Los Angeles. Just, you know, you make it through the night. And, you know, the sun's going to shine tomorrow. It's just, you know, finding that footing. And then, you know, maybe it's, I don't know if, like, the sleep thing is maybe... Maybe you can't. Maybe it's not possible. It's like an underlying like PTSD of like the yeah. impermanence of it. Yeah. Or you know, yeah. or seeming impermanence, even though you're like a mainstay. Mm-hmm. You know, you're a pillar. Yeah. You're. 
Yeah. So maybe the answer yeah, is. Yeah, I, I think all that makes sense. I think there is sort of this underlying uh, anxiety, as as James said. I mean, it's just you know such a high pressure town, especially the you know, the business yeah. that I'm in with the music supervision and you know and stresses with family and health and things like that. It's you know it's just as uh, as Betty Davis said. You know, getting old is not for not for sissies. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe so, the way, the, maybe the way uh, to know. get a good night's sleep is to like leave town. You know, <laughs> I'll tell you, sleeping in Olympia, it's like it's the, you can't get a lot, can't get a lot of work done. I mean, like sort of business work done. You know, there's not great. There's you can't go out any night of the week and see an amazing band or go to a, a big movie opening. But also part of that is that you can have days where there's just kind of nothing happening, and you can. Mm-hmm. You know, I get it's you know I'd like to, well, I'd invite all of you to come up and stay at my place when I'm not there because <laughs> you get really good sleep up there. But um, it's a it's a toss up between Olympia and uh, and Ambien. I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> they they have a similar effect on on a person. <laughs> but uh, but yeah no I I think I, I think the, the that that key about the desperation and this is, this is really important. I think it's and th- I I really feel this is that it's not. Like, I can deal with my desperation. When I'm in Olympia, my desperation is still at 11. It's just that everybody else's isn't. In your, when you're in L.A., everyone else's is at 11. I don't care. Like, you know it. You meet, like, like as James was saying, you can meet people who are big stars, and you're, they're stressed. Like, how am I yeah. going to keep this going? My, exactly. You know, the, I, my, my last record sold 10 million. This one only sold 5 million. <laughs> like... Like, yep. oh, you know, whereas, you know, and then someone else is saying, when will will I ever sell any records? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it is comforting to, to talk about it. So, I'm, I, you <laughs> know, it, it makes me feel a little better. And, you know, my, my we've talked about it on the show. You don't know this. My, my dad was a dream psychologist and the... the, mm-hmm. the the theory of dreams is a very is is woven deeply into this format. So I hope that by engaging the synchronicity and the pop oracle and hearing these beautiful harmonies, it maybe not in it won't always work, but at least tonight this can be your ambient. Like you can go All right. go to bed and <laughs> know that a lot of that whatever stress that you think is keeping you awake is really just other people's stress. Your mm-hmm. stress you can totally handle, and actually sleeping is the best way to deal with it. Yep. Well, I hear you. I'm very optimistic. Thanks for listening to Radio 8 Ball. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher and check out our website and the links provided for info about past and future shows on the Radio 8 blog, our ongoing Patreon campaign, and where you can download our Radio 8 Ball app that allows you to engage the Pop Oracle directly in the form of every song ever performed in the history of Radio 8 Ball. I hope today's musical divination brings and brought the sync to you wherever you are. And until next time, I'm your host, Andras Jones, wishing you lots of spine-tingling synchronicities, connections with the natural world, and all the inspiration you can handle. It's the Radio Show. It's a good show.
blow. 